Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Jim and the King NFL Podcast. I'm Jim, sitting to my left is no one, sitting to my right is no one, and I'm here to talk about the NFL. So I am completely alone today, guys, but everyone else is ill or, you know, have genuine reasons for not being here today. Um, but I've been doing loads of research and I thought it was a perfect opportunity for me to uh, impart that knowledge and uh, and guesswork that I've been going through with the 2019 NFL draft um, and what I think is going to happen with the first round. So this is a way too early mock draft thanks to the combine finishing. Um, we've still got some pro days to go through, things like that, and some personal workouts. But for the most part, you know, I was going to get into it with the guys about the combine and just the fact that I've been suckered in before by combine results you look at certain players that can jump out the building and jump really hard far and um have a really great 40 time and they get into the league and they're just that you know they might be able to run under four and a 4.4 seconds but they can't catch the ball they can't run routes they you know have attitude problems we saw some of that actually with the interview things um judge polite had a really bad uh combine by all accounts in terms of his interviewing and um see some of his press conferences afterwards so that hasn't helped him you can certainly tank in a in a combine uh dk metcalf who most people now know about um they knew before the combine obviously he was high up on draft boards it's more polarizing now because even though he ran a great 40 time um he suffered in the three cone drill which is about cutting and you know changing direction so you can be really fast but if you can't change direction that's going to red flag for a lot of other teams but this is my chance to talk about who I think is going to go where. So I'm actually going to go through an entire first round mock draft. It's all my own work. So, you know, be gentle, okay? It's just a draft. It's just a mock. Um, No one's died. (laughs) Um, I'm going to try to be as fair as possible to every team as well. And of course, there are going to be trades because what's the point in doing a mock draft without actually adding in trades that you think are going to happen as well? Trades always happen. Are there QB needy teams out there? Yes. And when there's always a QB needy team, they're willing to sell the farm to move up to get that QB. I mean, even last year, I mean, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens had to move up at the bottom of the first round to get a QB. So it doesn't matter where it is, to get a quarterback, you've almost certainly got to move up. So this is my chance to go through that for you. Um, See what you think, and obviously let me know. But remember, it's just a mock, and be gentle. Okay, so the first overall pick, and Kyler Murray is going to be selected Number one overall, but it's not going to be with the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, so two reasons why it's not going to be the Arizona Cardinals. First of all, Josh Rosen was picked tenth last year by Steve Kime. Steve Kime's still there. Steve Wilkes is not. Now, the reason Steve Wilkes isn't there is because he was a defensive coordinator who had his first head coaching job, and they completely tanked it. So they've brought in Cliff Kingsbury, who is an offensive minded head coach and what would have happened in that interview he wouldn't have got the job if he'd said well I can't work with Josh Rosen so we need to draft Kyler Murray no he got the job because he said I can fix Josh Rosen give me a chance and I'll do it so that's why Steve Kimes still got a job because he sunk that first pick for the Cardinals last year into Rosen as a franchise quarterback so the fact that he's still there means that they are invested in Josh Rosen any talk they have about Kyler Murray going number one to the Cardinals I think is just trying to engineer more uh, pick value or trade value sorry 
So someone's got to give up more because they genuinely think that the Cardinals could take Kyler Murray. I personally don't see that happening. And the fact that the Cards have so many holes, um, they're in a prime position to move down because they still think that Rosen's the um, the right choice there. And the fact that other teams are thinking about, you know, potentially trading a... You, know, you talk about the, the Patriots maybe taking him and then being the franchise continuing. You know, if he's that much of a bust and the Patriots are thinking about it, then... Is he that much of a bust? Jared Goff had a bad first year as well. So although I don't personally rate Josh Rosen, more for the attitude problems than his uh, overall skill set, I think it's far too early to um, to throw the towel in on Rosen. And I think that's why Kingsbury's been brought in, regardless of what he might have said previously. So I think that they um, allow the pick to go. I think that they move down in the draft. And I think that the most QB needy teams, if we assume that the Jags have picked up Nick Foles, um, will be the New York Giants. So I think the Giants are going to move up. Um, thinking about what they'll give up, obviously their first round pick, or they're picking at six. So I think they'd give up um, a fourth round pick and a fifth round pick this year, and maybe a second and fifth next year as well. So they've got to give up a lot of picks to move up to number one, but you've got to move up to number one to get that QB that you think is your franchise definer. So first move, it's got to be a QB. I think it is Kyler Murray, and I think that it won't be the Cardinals. I think it'll be the Giants who do it. Um, second, you've got then the 49ers, who are just still obviously wanting to take calls. They're, I reckon they're happy to move down a few places max. The problem is that I don't think there's a team just a couple of places down that are going to make that call. I think that the most desperate team, other than the Giants, are the Miami Dolphins. Now, they're sitting down at 13, which is a huge jump to get up to two. They've also not got many draft picks. I think it's about six. So they're in a real real bind here. Now, there are some people saying... Sorry, they've got seven picks. Now, some people say that the Dolphins are going to tank this season in order to get a QB next year. That's really difficult to tank an entire season on purpose. And if they'd kept Adam Gase another year, I'd probably agree with you. But the fact they brought in Brian Flores, how can you tell a first-time head coach, sit this one out, you know, let's, let's wait for next year? They can't do that. Look what happened to Steve Wilkes. That was his first year. These head coaches don't get the benefit of the doubt unless, you know, the fan base is in on it as well. Uh, and the players are happy to lose an entire year of their career by having these games intentionally lost. It doesn't work that way. And I think that players like Cam Wake, if he comes back for one more season, is not going to accept that. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick's not going to accept that kind of thought process. So... I think that they will try and make a move. And the reason they brought in Brian for is, is to try and get the Dolphins righted. So I think they are going to move up um, to get the only other QB that I think could potentially start this um, this next year, and that is Dwayne Haskins. So they've got to give up their first round pick, obviously, at 13, and their second round pick this year. And then next year, I think they've got to give up their first round pick and a third rounder. I'm not going to trade other players because that just gets really complicated. But I think they've got to give up next year's first rounder because they just don't have the draft capital in this draft to to satisfy the the 49ers to move down to 13. So I think they're going to have to give up a lot um, and the 49ers will take that. So first two picks, two quarterbacks. That means the Jets are sitting at three. Now, they might be willing to move down because they need offensive line help, but that comes later in the draft. I'm not worried about that. So they're sitting there now, the two quarterbacks off the board. They don't need a quarterback because Sam Darnold has shown promise. So they can now take what many people think is the overall number one pick in the draft, and that is Nick Bosa. They really need some edge help, so this just is a, a kind of a no-brainer. So the Jets take 
Nick Bosa at three. And this, just like last year, where they couldn't believe that Sam Darnold had fallen into the lap, it happens again, and they take what many people think is the top player in the draft. Number four, them Oakland Raiders. All change, really, um, last season. John Gruden coming back in. He gets rid of Khalil Mack, gets rid of Amari Cooper, gets rid of the kitchen sink, um, has arguments with Derek Carr on the sideline. I'm not sure if they were going to make the end of the season. They do. Um, end up 4-12, and 12, and they've got three first-round picks thanks to giving away Mack and Cooper. So what they're going to do, they've got a new GM in Mike Mayock. Um, they're one more season away from getting to Vegas. So that'll be interesting to see what happens in the uh, in the Coliseum. I think that the Raiders are going to do what a new GM does and what a, a new head coach wants to do, and that's to stamp their own name on the team. And that's why I think they're going to shock the world by taking Drew Locke with the number four overall pick. Okay, now I know what's going to happen right now. But, you know, there are some people that are really high on Drew Locke. I, I personally don't think that they're drafting in a, a, a day one starter. I think that they're willing to keep Derek Carr around for another season at least and have Drew Locke sit the same way that they saw someone like Patrick Mahomes sitting for a year or Aaron Rodgers when they come in. They don't start straight away. Or maybe even Lamar Jackson where, you know, they think him, they might make some sort of impact later on in the season. But I think that's what the Raiders do with that that number four pick. I think that they're not going to move up for Murray or Haskins, but they might just be bought in on Drew Locke to go four, considering they've also got two other first-round picks later on so they can do with other needs there. So not, not seeing anyone else do that, but I think that's what the Raiders might do, um, just purely because of Mike Mayock wanting to make an impression and uh, John Gruden wanting to uh, also make an impression after a pretty terrible first year. Then we've got the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five okay so Tampa Bay they've got a new head coach Bruce Arians has come in now Dirk Cutter's finally gone and when it comes to the Bucks, I don't know if they always make the right move uh, when it comes to drafting you know you can look at their, their their line needs some help you know Gerald McCoy's getting on a bit he's going to be costing about 13 million next season I think though that they're going to go for a premier piece which isn't the line I think that when you're looking at premier pieces, you're looking at quarterback or you're looking at cornerback. So I'm going to pick what many people consider to be the best lockdown corner, and that's Byron Murphy from Washington. Um, Vernon Hargreaves has only had like one, one interception in two seasons. It's just not good enough. So they're still pretty much relying on Brent Grimes, who's 35 now, as their number one cornerback. So although there are lots of positions, you know, lots of great talent out there, I'm looking at positional needs for the Bucks and cornerback is a big need for them especially in that division so now we're down to six this is where the Giants were they've traded out with the Cardinals so now the Cardinals are sitting there okay they haven't got Nick Bosa and they haven't got to worry about a quarterback but really they're sitting there looking at the two of the best defensive line players in the draft it's Josh Allen at edge and Quinn and Williams at defensive tackle if you if you could tell the Cardinals that you could move down to six get multiple picks and still have those two options there I think they take it, which is why I'm guessing it. <laughs> and uh, when you look at the cards, I think they will go with edge over defensive tackle. So I think they're going to go with Josh Allen. He's just so quick, so so quick out of Kentucky. He, no one was no one was quicker at getting across the field, you know, and and taking down plays in the backfield than than Josh Allen was. So it's something they sorely needed last year, and it's going to be an instant upgrade for them. 
and they've got so many positions to fill. I think that they're going to go with what they deem to be uh, the most pressing need, and that's an edge defender in Josh Allen. So we've got another trade now, and uh, it's currently the Jags are sitting at seven. Okay, um, but I think based on Foles being picked up, um, what they need isn't really someone in the top ten. I think it's actually to move down and get a couple more picks uh, with solid players. So I actually think that the 49ers who traded out of the number two spot are going to move back up from 13. It's going to cost them a little bit, not too much. Probably, obviously, their first and third round this year and uh, second round of next year to move back up six spots because what the 49ers wanted all along was to go for the next Aaron Donald, which is Quinn and Williams, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. Bama, just an absolute freak. He smashed the combine. It was quicker than we thought he was going to be doing the 40 as well. The only problem for Quinnan is there's not an awful lot of tape on him. But, I mean, if that's a weakness, then give me it. Because it means he's fresher than if he'd done two or three, well, yeah, three or four years um, as a starter. So, yeah, I think that that, if that works out, then I think we're going to have to give John Lynch uh, a yellow jacket straight away. Just because he's been bossing it as a GM since he's he's come into the league. So if he manages to get Quinnan Williams... At seven, <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> forget about it. Next up, we've got the Detroit Lions, who are picking at eight. This is going to be another trade, I think, because although we're going to trade up for a quarterback this time, there are certain players that just can't be ignored. Uh, Quinn Williams is now gone, but there is a team that desperately wants a linebacker, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals. They are currently sitting at eleven. It's not too far to jump up. Just got to get up to eight. They're going to have to give up second rounder and a sixth, maybe a fourth next year um, to move up those those spots because Devin White is sitting there and the Cincinnati Bengals desperately need, I mean desperately need an inside linebacker. Devin White has proved that he is just a complete shutdown linebacker. I mean, when you watch him playing, the ball doesn't go past him. If it's on the ground... It doesn't go past where he is on the field. He's just from sideline to sideline. He's quicker than running backs. It's just it's just an absolute freak. And they haven't had any sort of consistency at inside linebacker for the whole of last season. Their they're starting three didn't play one full game together because of suspensions and injuries. Um, I think it's worthy of them moving up a few spots to get that fulcrum of the, of the linebacking core there in Devin White. So I think that they do. I think the Bengals do move up with the Detroit Lions to take Devin White from LSU. Next up, we've got the Buffalo Bills. They're going to stay where they are. What do they need? Well, they need a few things, obviously, because it's the Buffalo Bills. They've always needed a few things. I mean, you could talk about the offensive line. They picked up Wyatt Teller in round five last year at guard. You know, Jeremiah Sells is a backup across the entire line. Charles Clay is gone at tight end. Um, so they've got Jason Cream and Logan Thomas there as the, as the tight ends on the depth chart. And also, you've got a problem at running back. LaShawn McCoy is a great running back, but he could be in jail by the time this uh, this season rolls around. So you've got to worry about that if you're the Buffalo Bills. The biggest problem, though, I think, is wide receiver. They've got Robert Foster, who went undrafted last year. Zay Jones was a second-round pick a couple of years ago. And Deontay Thompson, who basically failed in Chicago. I think that the Buffalo Bills are going to stay where they are, and they're going to draft a wide receiver in the top 10. Out of Ole Miss, not DK Metcalf, but AJ Brown. Brown was like a complete receiver for Ole Miss. He did. He was more consistent than than DK Metcalf. 
He was forcing broken tackles. He had explosive plays. And he, most importantly, when you've got Josh Allen as your quarterback, he only dropped five passes on 90 catchable targets, according to PFF. So I think that AJ Brown, for scheme fit, I think that's what they want is a proper wide receiver. They've they've gone up in the past to get wide receivers like Sammy Watkins. Uh, I think they'll do it again. And I don't think Buffalo should be too mad about that pick. Hopefully you're quite happy with that, Bills fans. Then we've got the Denver Broncos at 10. Now, I'm sure that Denver Dave would string me up from a tree if I didn't address the O-line with this first overall pick. They're sitting at 10, so I'm going to go with the best offensive tackle in in the draft. I think that's fairly, you know, there's some conjecture about who that is, but I'm going to go with Jonah Williams from Alabama, uh, left tackle. He only allowed 12 pressures the entire last season. It's... It's just something you want there to cover Joe Flacco. That's now the the quarterback. It might make Joe Flacco look good. They they need to solidify that line. And so as much as they might think about moving out, I don't think there's enough teams that want to move up to 10 uh, to take a player. So taking Jonah Williams at 10, I think they'd be very happy that they had their pick of the offensive tackles. At 11, we've got the Detroit Lions who moved down from 8 uh, with the Bengals. So... What do the Lions need? Okay, well, they could do with help all over the place, to be fair. When you look at the edge, Ziggy Anson might not be back next season. Christian Jones moved from the Bears last season, but only got one sack from right outside linebacker. Inside linebacker, you've got Jalen Reeves-Mabin. Hasn't done much since they drafted him in the fourth round two years ago. You've got problems at cornerback, uh, wide receiver, tight end. <laughs> it's uh, You've got a choice there with the Detroit Lions. I'm going to go with Edge because it's such an Edge-heavy draft. And I'm going to take Brian Burns. Burns is the kind of guy from FSU that, you know, he's he's got the most pressures of any Power 5 defender in the country last year. It's what the, the Lions have missed since they've said goodbye to Nadom Kinsu and Nick Fairley. They want that kind of pressure coming up. So, yeah, they need to pressure the quarterback more. They're not doing it from the inside. They might as well start doing it a bit more from the outside. So, yeah, I would like to pick up Brian Burns from FSU if I'm the Detroit Lions. The Green Bay Packers, they're at 12. They've got a couple of picks in this first round. So what do you do if you're the Green Bay Packers? You want to protect Aaron Rodgers, but this is maybe a bit high up for them. They've got problems at safety. So Tremont Williams is 35. Kendrell Bryce hasn't made any waves. Tight end, I mean, Jimmy Graham. No thanks. Inside linebacker, Clay Matthews in the autumn of his career. I'm going to go with Zach Allen as another edge defender. I think there's going to be a bit of a run on these. Comes out of Boston College. He's one of the best run defenders in college football um, in 2017. He's just a dominant edge defender. Yeah, I, I think that Zach Allen could, could do a job there. And although you could say about Jache Kapalai or Cleveland Farrell, I think of those those ones that are remaining at edge, I think Zach Allen's probably got the best upside for them and kind of fits in that Packer mentality as well. So that's why I've gone for, for Zach Allen going to the Packers with their first pick in the first round now we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars who are at 13 after moving down with the 49ers so what do the Jags need well let's assume they've got Nick Foles so we don't have to worry about that anymore now they've got to worry about keeping up right and Joni Williams is gone but that's fine because there are plenty of a good uh, linemen in this draft and I don't think it's wrong for Jawan Taylor to come out of Florida, obviously he's quite local for them. Got the third highest run blocking grade against uh, amongst starting power five tackles. He's the one that people are arguing. I'm seeing about 
is he better than Jonah Williams or not? Or maybe even Andre Dillard. You know, those three jostling for for first lineman taken. So the fact that the Jags have moved down to get a couple more picks and still were able to take um, Jawan Taylor, I think they'd be absolutely ecstatic with that. Because they can pick up some wide receivers in the later rounds, but for the, the first pick, they need to really have someone that's going to make a statement. I think Jawan Taylor is that person. At 14, we've got the Atlanta Falcons. And guess what, guys? I'm going to make another trade here, okay? Because there is a team that's got so many picks that they might as well just blow them on moving up if they feel there's a, a chance to, to move up with a team that's willing to do it. And also, you know, if there's someone they like. Now, I think that the Indianapolis Colts, who've got nine picks in this draft, are willing to make a move up to 14. And the Falcons will probably take a couple of extra picks. So I think that the Colts would give up their second round and fourth round pick this year to move up from 26. And I think that the Colts are going to go with a wide receiver because they desperately need a wide receiver. I don't know if you know this, but apart from T.Y. Hilton uh, and Eric Ebron, there's not many people to throw the ball to in Indy. Uh, and you could talk about uh, an edge or a defensive tackle or linebacker. Or, you could talk anyone from the on the defense, but because there are so many more of those players available, I think they're going to go with what I believe is one of the best wide receivers in this draft. There's been a lot of talk since the, the season finished about whether they were going to pick up Brown uh, wide receiver and I think they're going to do it but it's Marquise Hollywood Brown wide receiver out of Oklahoma a guy that breaks tackles for fun uh, he had double digit touchdowns last year and just kind of energizes the energizes the stadium when you watch any of his games he's just always a threat and if you put him on the other side of T.Y. Hilton with Andrew Luck slinging the ball that's going to be really scary for AFC South opponents so I think that they're not going to take the drama that's uh, that's Antonio Brown, but they're actually going to take Marquise Hollywood Brown. And move up to do it as well. You know, if you, if you see a player that you really want and you're worried about some other teams coming in and, and taking them first, you've got to move up. It's not always for a quarterback. Sometimes it's for a linebacker or for a wide receiver. The Washington Redskins, they're sitting there at 15. Now, why didn't I get them to trade up? They've got Alex Smith, who might not have a leg anymore which is terrible, obviously, but um, the reason I didn't have the Redskins moving up is because of their mentality. You've got to think about the team and what they do. Typically, the Redskins in drafts either make no decisions or bad decisions. So I think that their procrastination will stop them from moving up in this draft. They don't have an awful lot of draft capital to play with. So I think they're, although not happy, I think they're willing to kind of deal with what they've got, which I guess is Colt McCoy or Josh Johnson that finished off the season. The other things you could look at maybe is guard or cornerback. I'm going to go with cornerback because we've got some premier positions here and we're already at 15. And I've only called one cornerback so far. So we've got a whole load of them that we can go with. Okay, uh, And I'm going to take Greedy Williams. He's a great press man corner. Maybe not so good on double moves. Um, but he at least gets that pressure early on. So I think that on the other side of Josh Norman, I think that's probably a good pairing. A great person to learn off as well so that's why although I think the Redskins would be in the market to move up I, th- I think they're the kind of team that just doesn't do that so I'm not going to have it happen on my mock draft the Carolina Panthers at 16 what do the Carolina Panthers need they could do with some more edge help Julius Peppers has started his countdown to Canton uh, you've got Ryan Khalil needs replacing at centre 
I really think that the most pressing need for them is linebacker. You've got Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson needing a successor. So, as we've already lost the number one linebacker in the draft in Devin White, let's go with the other Devin. Devin Bush, linebacker out of Michigan. Uh, he's an absolute animal at blitzing. Top five pass rushing grades. On a, on a great Michigan defense, he looks really good. So, I don't think there'd be any problem with the the Panthers starting that process um, of replacing Keekley and Thompson. And you could do a lot worse than Devin Bush. It's been a long time since the Cleveland Browns had a first-round pick this low down that wasn't their second or third. But they are picking at 17. They have a couple of thirds and fifths to move up, but I think they're going to stick. I think this is going to be the first time we see them in the draft this year. And they're now seen as not a joke, thanks to Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward and... Uh, Miles Garrett and all these other first round picks that do work out which is great to see um, but they do have some problems linebacker you could have some more competition for Schobert and Janard Avery that cornerback Denzel Ward is great Terrence Mitchell you could have an upgrade there if you wanted to but I think they're going to go defensive tackle uh, Trevon Coley a defensive tackle didn't have much of an impact next to Miles Garrett so I think they're looking at interior uh, defensive linemen and I've got them taking Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame. He tied Quinn and Williams for highest pass rushing grade amongst interior defensive linemen in college football. He was dominant consistently. He doesn't might maybe have the numbers to back it up, but there's a lot of hype about Jerry Tillery now. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on. I think that the timing of the pick is perfect for them. And it's just going to solidify that front seven. If he's sitting there, you kind of got to take him. Next up is the Minnesota Vikings. They're picking at 18. And oh lord, what do the Minnesota Vikings need? Don't say quarterback, all you haters, come on. It wasn't all Kirk Cousins' fault that last season, okay? Um, I think it was fairly obvious that uh, his line was not helping him. We could look at linebacker or cornerback as a replacement in the first round, but I think they're going with offensive line. I think they're going to go with Andre Dillard, just because they really do need someone to stop the onslaught that's happening. Kirk Cousins needs an extra second. Andre Dillard can do that. He's one of the highest pass protection grades of any starting tackle in the country, according to PFF, who I'm using for some of, uh, well, a lot of these stats, but obviously watching a lot of game tape on him. Yeah, Dillard out of Washington State had a great career, and I think that he's ready to sit right into that Vikings offensive line and look like he's been there for a long time as well. This could be a kind of Quentin Nelson-style deal for, for people like Dillard and Jonah Williams and Jawan Taylor. There are very, very few weaknesses with these guys. So I think that the Vikings fans would be very happy to see uh, some extra help coming there. And all the way down at 18 as well. That's the good thing about some of these drafts, is some of these players that you don't think there's going to be a chance in hell they're still going to be available. They just seem to drop down just because of runs on certain positions. You know, look at Derwin James last year. You know, no one thought he was going to fall as far as the Chargers, but he did, and so there's no reason not to take him. Uh, and when the Vikings have that need at OT, Andre Dillard makes complete sense. Tennessee, number 19. Now, Tennessee are a team that don't move up or down traditionally, uh, so they're not going to move at all in my draft either. They're an interesting one because you could say that, you know, they could do some do more help at, at safety. Kevin Byard is good. Kenny Vaccaro hasn't done much since moving across from New Orleans. Uh, cornerback. You've got Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan as the uh, ex-Patriots and Adoree Jackson, who has been kind of hit and miss. Is he uh, just a punt returner or is he a, a bona fide cornerback? Uh, so you could look at kind of adding more depth there, but I think when you're going to go with most need, 
I think you're going to go with defensive tackle. Um, although you know Austin Johnson, Benny Logan, and Darius Kilgo on the depth chart, they need more help at nose tackle. So I'm going to give them Jeffrey Simmons, defensive lineman from Mississippi State. He tore his ACL, but early on in the season, so he was able to actually come back. He still had great stats coming out of college. He still looks dominant in, in the middle. So. Yeah, they're all in this kind of ground and pound, nice and slow. They don't score many points, but they're supposed to stop the other team from scoring. And I think that they need to improve that front seven. So Jeffrey Simmons will be an instant upgrade from what we've seen uh, in Tennessee. Number 20, my Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a couple of needs. You could look at wide receiver. You could you can make an argument there that, you know, with, with Antonio Brown gone, we need next man up. I think we obviously will take a wide receiver somewhere in the draft, but not with the first pick. I'm still confident that um, between Juju and James Washington and whoever else we draft this year will be absolutely fine at wide receiver. Uh, You could look at cornerback, but I'm going to look at inside linebacker. Now, we've lost two of the best uh, inside linebackers uh, prospects in this draft, but we've still got one other one there, as far as I'm concerned, and that's Tavon Coney from Notre Dame. He had the fourth highest coverage grade uh, among eligible linebackers. And he's a good pass rusher as well. So I think there's lots of light with Tavon Coney. And we need to replace uh, Ryan Shazier. As much as I would love to see him come back, I just don't think it's going to happen. So we need to to move on, really. And you need that side-to-side inside linebacker. We've got, finally, we've got some good outside linebacker pressure from people like TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. I want to see someone else in the middle, uh, along with Vince Williams. And I think Tavon Coney could be that person. So... If he's still there at 20, I think the Steelers would bite their arm off for him. 21 already, and we're at the Seattle Seahawks, who have only four picks in this entire draft. Um, They're a prime target for teams to move up for an extra pick. So why don't I take full advantage of that with the team that have the most picks in the draft, and that is the New England Patriots. They've got 12 picks in this draft. It's just ridiculous. Um, So they're currently at 32 because they won the Super Bowl in February. So let's give the Seahawks uh, two of their third rounders. This the second two of their third rounders. Um, the so 97 and 101st pick to move up from 32 to 21 because what do the Patriots need? Well, unfortunately, guys, they're quite stacked at most positions. What they could do with is maybe an inside linebacker. I mean, Landon Roberts has been overshadowed by Van Noy and Hightower. As the Mike backer, they could do with an improvement there. Uh, tight end you've got Gronk being a shadow of his former self and Dwayne Allen's just been released as well so do we take a tight end now yeah maybe there's also the talk of a QB being slightly old but the problem for any potential future quarterback in New England is that Tom Brady is the equivalent of a praying mantis and will eat the head of any competition so rarely it will hit one day but not today I think that they go with uh, a wide receiver with this move up Julian Edelman is 32. Josh Gordon is suspended again. So who you got? Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett? I mean, they're not vertical threats. You need to start grooming the Wes Welker, Julian Edelman replacement. And that is Andy Isabella out of UMass. Uh, He was the highest graded receiver in the country, according to PFF. It's kind of a perfect Patriot wide receiver. And yeah, I, I don't think it's wrong for them to move up to get a player they really like. And I'm just making, obviously, a huge guess here. But I can see the Patriots moving. They've got so much draft capital, they might as well give up a couple of thirds. It's not even their their first third rounder. So 
the Seahawks have only four picks. I think they would be happy to move down. As much as they obviously have their own problems, they would rather have a couple more third-round picks than this first-rounder. So that's the last trade, I promise, that I've got going in this uh, this first-round mock. Now we've got the Baltimore Ravens picking at 22. So at the time of recording, CJ Mosley has not been signed to a new deal. Um, they're expecting at least 11 mil next year for that pickup on the contract. But I think that the Ravens will pay that money. Just through their history, they're unlikely to let go of a first rounder who's been in multiple Pro Bowls. CJ Mosley is just better than any other option that's in the draft right now for them at 21, sorry, 22. You could also look at Eric Weddle getting close to retirement age. I mean, he was close to retirement age with the Chargers, so he's got to be getting there now with the Ravens. But I think that they're going to go wide receiver. Although they're a ground and pound game, they need to keep some pressure off that run game. You've got Michael Crabtree. He's lost any sort of pace he might have had. Willie Sneed and John Brown just aren't scary for opposition defenses. So I think the Ravens are going to take one of the most polarizing players in DK Metcalf. I said it. <laughs> they're going to take DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss. He didn't have the best tape. Didn't have the same numbers as AJ Brown on the other side. But he does make high-end plays. You know, Think of someone like Martavis Bryant as a comparison. Someone that is great running in a straight line. Just don't ask him to cut too often. Although he's not going to get a lot of um, targets. I mean, Lamar Jackson can throw the ball. Any any of these NFL quarterbacks can throw the ball 50, 60 yards, okay? The amount of NFL quarterbacks that can throw the ball 50, 60 yards and hit a target they're looking for drops steeply, okay? Lamar Jackson is one of those in the second category, just cannot hit the target consistently when it's going long. But you don't need that. If DK Metcalf is, he is genuinely quick and he's big, you're going to have to at least account for him when you're a defensive backs coach. So it's going to take a, a tiny bit of pressure off the box, which is the way that Ravens are going to move the ball again next season. They laid a blueprint there. We've also seen how to crack that blueprint. But if you have someone that's a genuine wide receiver threat that's going to just take, do go routes all day and not get tired, then you're going to have to keep someone on him the whole time because he will gash you. Every once in a while, he's going to get. He might get five to to eight touchdowns next season. He could do that in that, that Ravens offense because everyone's expecting run, but you're going to have to account for for throw if he's there. So, and there's some people love him. Some people absolutely love him, and I think the Ravens are one of those teams that do like a big, <laughs> fast receiver. So I think they're going to take DK Metcalf. He's sitting there. It's getting late in the draft, so I think they might might take him and. And say that's another a piece for Lamar Jackson to to aim at. So it's another anointing of the the new franchise quarterback there. Twenty three, the Houston Texans. They've got a chance here to take a replacement for Vince Wilfork. I guess you know they haven't they didn't have anyone really on the interior defensive line uh, last season. It kind of showed. Um, they franchise tag Clowney, DJ Reader, and Brandon Dunn though. It just they weren't that effective. So I think they're going to go with a defensive tackle. There are still quite a few sitting around. And I believe they're going to go with Christian Wilkins out of Clemson. Great at both run defense and pass rushing. They just want more and more on that defensive front. And I think that Christian Wilkins is an excellent prospect coming out of one of the better colleges. 24 and the Oakland Raiders. It's their second pick in the first round. They've already shocked everyone by taking Drew Locke with their number four pick. Again, like I said, they're not expecting to come in and be a day one starter. But I think that they 
would expect him to be the heir apparent and they would keep Derek Carr there for at least another year. As Punk Raider says, it's all about Vegas. And so when you move into Vegas, you want to have a new start. And if you've got someone in the building that's been learning the playbooks and been tutored under Gruden, um, I think that's what they want. So they've got a chance now to deal with some of the myriad problems they've got um, in terms of roster. And they've got a chance to pick out a premier piece. Mike Mayock repeatedly talks about, you know, picking up these kind of chess pieces that you want. And so they've got a chance to take a cornerback. Linemen aren't the premier pieces, it's cornerbacks. Quarterbacks and cornerbacks. We haven't got Byron Murphy anymore, we haven't got Greedy Williams, but DeAndre Baker from Georgia is just sitting there wanting to be taken, and I think that Mayock has the uh, the nous to take DeAndre Baker there for the Raiders. They've got another pick in a couple of, um, couple of goes. So, yeah, to take a quarterback and a cornerback, I don't think they're going to be complaining too much about that. Your reservations on Drew Lock aside, <laughs> or not? <laughs> then we've got the Philadelphia Eagles at twenty-five. Eagles have got a few problems, obviously. Um, despite the fact they are picking at twenty-five, you, you could look at safety. You know, they've got Malcolm Jenkins, but that's it. He needs some help. He's getting on a little bit now. Uh, offensive line help, but Carson Wentz is kind of good enough to to get around that. It's just some of their pieces are getting quite old. You know, Jason Peters is thirty-seven. Uh, he's not going to last an entire season. You know, there are times when he just he's not going to be able to play. Brandon Brooks, they've re-signed. Uh, guys, thirty. Uh, Lane Johnson's twenty-nine, but that's still okay. I think that they're going to go with. Although you know, they do also need a running back, but I don't see the value in taking a running back in this first round. To be perfectly honest, so they're going to go with the other offensive need they need, and that is wide receiver. This is one of the kind of bubble. Uh, receiver picks so it's a prospect that I think fits in the scheme perfectly and that's Debo Samuel out of South Carolina he just breaks tackles for fun which is kind of what they wanted Golden Tate to do and he had a great senior bowl as well so I th- I think that the, the Eagles you know they, they need to give those weapons to, to Wentz Debo Samuel is going to be a great addition to that, that wide receiver core there are some other wide receivers that maybe have more upside than Debo but he's a fighter, a scrapper. That's what the Eagles like. It's what the the city of Philadelphia likes. And although you could make an argument with some other wide receivers, I think that Debo Samuel's a big, very good fit uh, for the Eagles. And he's available uh, in this mock at that point. So I think they're pulling the trigger on Debo. 26th was the Colts, but the Falcons moved out of that position, remember? So they've got some more picks. My problem for the Falcons is that they're getting a little bit old. Kind of across the board, and they... It's almost like they're missing their window. You could look at uh, offensive line needing some more quality just across the entire O-line. There's not much depth as well. You've got Ty Sambrelos out of contract at left tackle behind Jake Matthews. Kind of says it all. Cornerback, Robert Olford's now with the Cardinals after six years in Atlanta. Isaiah Oliver was a second-round pick last year. But Desmond Trufant needs some help. So you could look at cornerback. Uh, defensive end, Brooks Reed's gone to the Cardinals. Derek Shelby's out of contract. I think that you're going to go with defensive tackle they probably need an upgrade on Terrell McLean he only got one sack last year and Grady Jarrett needs a new contract he got six sacks last year but they need to pay him there is a guy in this draft that when you listen to other mocks is another quite polarizing figure he didn't quite have the production last year but that's probably because they moved him into kind of nose tackle position and 
he was double covered I think that the upside for Ed Oliver uh, is enough that you're actually going to see him taken there I mean if he's still sitting there some people are going to be screaming why hasn't he gone earlier I'm sure there's going to be people screaming why hasn't Ed Oliver been taken earlier than this but I think the defensive lineman out of Houston is still at that pick I'm high on him but I know some other people aren't there are going to be some teams that have the same opinion so a bit of a Marmite pick like I said his numbers were kind of hidden last year so he didn't have the same production Last year, people were talking about him much higher, like maybe the second overall pick. Changed a bit now, but like I said, that was more the scheme that was going on in Houston. They didn't they didn't allow him to get the points that, or the numbers that he wanted or that would have helped him with his draft stock. So to fall there, if the Falcons move down and still get Ed Oliver, they will be dancing in the streets. We're back to the Oakland Raiders, 27. You see, Mike Mayock's a shrewd guy. He didn't move any of his picks around. He's stuck, you know. I don't think they're going to dance around with their picks. They've got a lot of picks this this year. But I think that when when you've got three first round picks, you've got so much else to think about. Moving up and down as well, it's just throwing another dimension into it that you just don't need. You'd have to assume that Mike Mayock's done the the homework because he always did it in the past when he wasn't getting uh, paid by the Raiders to do so. So I think that they've got their their guys locked in of who they want locked uh, locked in of who they want for the different um, positions at four twenty four and twenty seven. Uh, I think they're very happy with what they've got so far. And at 27, I think they're going to deal with another massive problem, and that was uh, so rushing the opposition quarterback. There are still some very good premier pieces in there, and I'm going to take Cleland Farrell from Clemson. Uh, he got 14 sacks and 14 hits on the on the season. He's a great build. He can fit in straight away. He's just one of those top seven uh, edge rushers in this draft that you, know, you you kind of be stupid not to take. You could make an like I said, you can make an argument for Josh A. Polite. You're kind of hoping that the Raiders are moving away from that kind of uh that player. Just that the the Raiders have a, a reputation for obviously taking uh the bad boys, the ones that were the ditched by the other teams, you know, as a kind of last chance saloon type team. And so with the move to Vegas and, you know, wanting to stamp a new attitude on the team I think that they're going to be teams that move away from Josh Polite and even the Raiders. If it's a choice between the two, then I I think they would probably go with Ferrell, thinking about how Mayock would pick. If you've come out of it with a potential franchise quarterback for the future, uh, a top cornerback and a top edge rusher with those three picks, then I know Raiders fans, was I wrong to, to go with those three? Let me know. Staying in the AFC West with the 28th pick, it's the Los Angeles Chargers. So, it's a good season for the Chargers. They absolutely tanked in the divisional game. There's not an awful lot of problems, though, with the team overall. Uh, you could talk about Phil Rivers getting a bit older, but, you know, again, he's still got some juice left in the tank. So, you could look at defensive tackle. Corey Legia is being let go this month. Brandon Meebane's a 50-50 to return. Linebacker, you know, yeah, great. You've got... Uh, some good players in there but you've also got Hayes Pollard and Kyle Emanuel at weak and middle linebacker respectively they could be upgraded I think that the Chargers are going to go with offensive line they need more depth at tackle to cover Russell Okung and rookie Sam Tevy so I'm going to go with Dalton Reisner when you look at his tape he did start all four seasons for Kansas State he's an absolute rock at tackle so they they do have uh, definite room for that guy to move in and, uh, and make a name for himself in uh, in Los Angeles. Another AFC West pick, the 29th, is with the Kansas City Chiefs. We know what the problem was with the Chiefs last season. It wasn't the offense, it was the defense. 
So it would be remiss of me to look anywhere apart from somewhere in the defensive 11. I mean, you know, they're talking about moving from a 3-4 to a 4-3 base defense. Uh, Justin Houston's probably going to go. D Ford might have been tagged, but he's still open for trade offers. As of this recording, he hasn't been traded anywhere, so I'll have to assume he's still there. Um, you could look for some defensive tackle help for Chris Jones. Um, Xavier Williams could be the old man out at nose tackle there. More cornerback competition for Stephen Nelson and Kendall Fuller? Potentially. But there's a position we haven't really addressed yet um, in, in the whole draft, and that's safety. Eric Berry was the number five pick in the 2010 draft, but they need to get his air into the building. So I'm going to take Taylor Rapp out of Washington as the um, the first safety off the board, and so late as well. Safety is one of my favorite positions because you know you can get away with having two average cornerbacks if you've got a premier safety. And Taylor Rapp is lightning quick. He loves tackling players as well, um, so he can cover. He's good at breaking up plays and and intercepting. He can also come down into the box and make tackles. He's very good at, at diagnosing the offensive play. Uh, and making the play on the ball. Typically, he'd be around the tackle uh, wherever the play was stopping on offense. So, yeah, Taylor App would be an instant upgrade at uh, at the Chiefs. I think they'd be happy to have their pick of, of the safety position there. Next up, and we're down to the 30th pick. It's the Green Bay Packers' second pick. We know that with the first pick in my mock draft, they went with Zach Allen at edge. So the other thing that they really want to do is protect Aaron Rodgers. You know, he is the franchise piece. He does take a lot of hits. Some of it's his own fault, but you're going to need to protect him better than you are. They've got to stop trying to make Brian Balaga a thing. Um, it just just hasn't worked. So I think they're going to go offensive line. I think it's kind of a no-brainer, really, as far as I can see. The Packers love working on it, and they've, they've done so much with cornerback over the last couple of years that they need to start addressing the line uh, on both sides. So, as I've already got rid of uh, an edge problem, I'm going to get rid of an offensive tackle problem, and I'm going to pick up Cody Ford from Oklahoma. Uh, He's only had one season as a starter, but he only allowed seven pressures all season, and didn't allow a sack until the playoffs. So, yeah, Ford kind of speaks for himself. Just a typical Packers pick, or at least a traditional Packers pick. Um, Obviously, they've been stocking up on cornerbacks the last couple of drafts. So, I've addressed both sides of the line. Uh, with the first round picks they've got two left both in the nfc west first up it's the los angeles rams what do the rams need well the rams could do with some offensive line help certainly Uh, andrew whitworth is coming back for a final season at left tackle but that line was exposed by the pats exposed you could also look at safety lamarcus Joyner might not be coming back john johnson the third is not a premier safety either so you could definitely look at upgrading that and I think they will we've already taken Taylor up off the board so I'm going to go with Deontay Thompson out of Alabama if you're going to take a defensive player it might as well be out of Alabama if you can uh, like I said he's got some great plays and he's got some other times where he kind of gets lost from from what's going on you know he doesn't quite diagnose the play as as quickly as you'd, you'd hope sometimes uh, and some he's always trying to make a play on the ball so he he can get baited into coming down into the box and then uh, leaving gaps where he should be covering. But he is still a special talent. And if you're sitting at 31 and you've got a chance to take Deontay Thompson, who many people have mid-first round, again, you can't get mad at that. So I think the Rams will go with safety and they'll go with, if he's there, Deontay Thompson. 
The last pick in the first round now goes to the Seattle Seahawks because they moved down for the Patriots. Okay, Seahawks. Well, you've got some problems. Obviously, you know, you've, you've picked up a couple more picks for this draft, but you need to fill those uh, those positions out. So they need a tight end. Ed Dixon's currently the number one tight end ahead of Nick Vanette. So good luck there. O-line, they brought in Dwayne Brown, but Jermaine Effedi has never really settled at right tackle. Linebacker, Barcavius Mingo is currently a starter, so that's all I need to say there. I think that they are going to take another safety. So it's going to be the third safety gone in four picks. They need to replace Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas, obviously. Uh, They've currently got Tedrick Thompson and Bradley McDougald as their two starting safeties. Which means that I'm going to pick up for them Nasser Adley from Delaware. Now, Nasser Adley is an absolute freak. He is so quick. A bit like Taylor Rapp or or Devin White almost. You know, the ball doesn't get past them when it's on the ground. He does a bit like Deontay Thompson. He does have those kind of lapses sometimes where he'll be on the wrong side of the field. Uh, Usually, he might be relying too much on his athletic ability to, to bail him out. You just don't know. I do know that being in that Seattle Seahawks scheme would be a perfect place for him to learn. Of all the other... I mean, there are a couple of other safeties I could have could have picked there, but I think Nasser Adley is, is really impressed in the games I've seen him play. And with that, I have just completed my first way-too-early mock draft the entire first round with trades, all on my own. No one else helped me with this. So some people will say, yeah, we can see. Other people were saying it's uh, inspired. So if you liked it, please let me know because obviously... I want to, you know, I'm vain and I want to hear all those uh, those great comments. Uh, if you didn't like it, be nice, you know, be constructive. Not everyone's going to agree. You know, I've been watching mock drafts going on and I completely disagree with how things are, are panning out, which is why mine is different from everyone else's. So, yeah, hopefully it was just a bit of fun for you guys. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest of my crew think of it. And when we get closer to the draft, we'll have a, another mock, a mock or two. Um, but in the meantime, make sure you're liking and subscribing and uh, yeah, listen to the Jim and the King NFL podcast because we do it every week and after the draft we get a break. So um, now's the time to be listening to it as we build up to um, to the draft in Tennessee. So thanks very much. Until next week, I've been Jim and thank you so much for listening. Yeah.